Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that can allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Business Growth Secrets, your host here, Adam Stott got an amazing episode lined up for you this week, which I'm sure you're going to find to be absolutely incredible. So much content, advice and guidance given in this episode that I think it really should add a tremendous amount of value to you. Very recently, I asked my good friend, Lee McQueen, who won The Apprentice to come and join me at one of my masterminds, my Gold Circle Mastermind event, where I have a group of high-level business owners that I train, I coach, I guide, and I mentor. And Lee came and joined us at this event where he spoke exclusively and really detailed on fundraising, creative ways to raise funds for businesses. He also spoke about recruitment. He gave a bit of his background story, mentioned a couple of stories from his time working directly with Alan Sugar, uh, some of the things he's learned about sales and so much more. I think it's a really, really good interview that there's a tremendous amount of value that can be taken from the episode. So I hope you enjoy uh, feast on this one. And of course, let us know either on Instagram at adamstockcoach or go to adamstock.com and tell us we've got all the episodes on adamstock.com. We're nearly reaching 300 episodes of this podcast. You can give us feedback on there as well, which is really cool. So if you want to let us know about which episode you've been enjoying most of all on the podcast, you can. And of course, if I can just mention the way that we get the message out on this podcast and the best way to get this message out, if you've been enjoying the episode so far is to rate and review the episodes. So to just give us a, a nice five-star rating or share it with a friend. You know, we're, we're on a mission to inspire more business owners. And if you get a moment after you listen to the episode, you really enjoy it, send it to a business owner friend of yours or someone that wants to start a business so they can start to feed their mind with the intellectual information that can help them to win in business. Having said all that, go and enjoy the episode. I hope you get tons from it. I'm going to cut straight into my interview with an apprentice winner, uh, tech business owner, uh, recruitment business owner, Lee McQueen. I hope you all enjoy. Okay, so I've got a massive pleasure today, really pleasure. I'm actually really excited because every time I get together with Lee, you know, it's like two peas in the pod. We have a great laugh. We have a fantastic relationship. Done some really cool things together. And the first ever event, the first public speaking event I ever did was with Lee. Um, we had an amazing time. We'll talk a little bit about that. We did some really cool stuff together. Uh, to give you a bit of a background on Lee, um, he was one of the first winners, I think it was the second, he'll tell you in a moment, I'm sure himself, uh, winners of The Apprentice. Fourth. Fourth, right. <laughs> so he's the fourth winner of The Apprentice. Um, did a fantastic job. I remember I watched it on TV. I remember when Lee was on it, I watched it on TV. A really likeable guy. He went on to win that. He built a, a fantastic business called uh, Raw Talent Academy, 
which is a recruitment company which has got a really innovative model which to this day still is thriving and succeeding. He's been in that business probably for about 12 years, I would imagine. He'll tell you a bit more on that. And more recently, um, he has built a, a technology company, startup, which is about to take public. So I uh, thought before Lee becomes a billionaire, I better bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> so he's uh, literally launched this, so we've reconnected recently. Done some amazing things. Should we give a big round of applause to the amazing people? I'm loving it. It's great to get back together with you, Lee, and, and to bring you back. Um, we, we started this business, didn't we? And I, I've often, at the three-day event, actually, you've, I, I often use um, your picture. And yeah. me, and me and you at the event. It's good. Uh, Your big smile. But oh, I feel that. <laughs> and, and I actually tell a story about us training Palm, training Adam Walker. And Lee was really fundamental in some of the massive success stories that we had in launching um, big business events as a business. So all of the first events I did with Lee. And we got introduced via the Business Lounge, which was another, uh, this is a great networking group lady called Patsy. And yes. she introduced us, so I came up to Lee's office and we just built a great relationship. Remember Patsy? Yeah. And we did some incredible stuff, didn't we? So why don't we uh, start off, Lee? You've, you've been here all day, first and foremost. Yeah. And being that the subject is numbers today, how important do you feel for a business owner it is to get in front of this? Mm -hmm. And have you ever had any struggles yourself with it? You know, I know that it's something you obviously know inside out now. But tell us a little bit about your education on this very subject and what it's been like for you over the years? Awful numbers, absolutely awful. Um, I think one of my, I would probably say one of my key skills is to be out in front of customers, be out in front of clients, be that kind of, I call myself the jazz hands person to be honest, so actually sitting on a spreadsheet and crunching numbers isn't what I really want to do, but it's actually fundamental as you've just explained earlier in the earlier session, it's fundamental to understand where you're, where you are today, where you want to get to, and how you're going to get there. That is massively important. So hopefully, is the session been good today, in fact, by the way? Yes. yes. What? Is it been good? Yes. Oh, here we go. So, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's just that exactly. Um, so I think, you know, I think the most important thing is to understand where you can uh, make improvements. Uh, does anyone know if you end up or shout out what the rate of inflation is today in, in the UK? Two bloody lies, you know, the answer is it's above 10%, isn't it? 13%, maybe 10 We'll go with 10%. So, does anyone put their prices up by 10%? Okay, nice, nice. Well, we'll, we'll talk to you later, actually. That's so good. But the point being is that actually everything else is going up, and you touched on this earlier. Yet, as business owners, we think, oh no, we can't possibly do that to our customers. We can't possibly do that. My, my father in law is a chippy, uh, a carpenter, for people who don't understand slang. Well, we're in Essex, right? So you must be able to understand that. <laughs> surely. My, my, my father in law is a chippy, uh, and he's never advertised in his life, never marketed once in his life. Drives a van that has got no signage on it whatsoever, yet he is constantly got customers all the time, all the time, all the time. And that's through word of mouth and all this. But what's the point of the story? The point of the story is that when his costs go up, his word and all, all the things he 
Is he putting his prices up to his door of customers? He's not doing it. He's not putting his customer there, his prices up. It's like crazy stuff. So if we start to struggle, I can't do that job anymore for 150, 15,000, whatever it is, because the costs have gone up. You just need to be able to layer that up. And I think that's probably one of the biggest, um, uh, biggest lessons I've learned in setting up a business I've had. So Feed 51 is my third business that I set up. So I set up Hand Screen, just going back to a bit of background, yeah. I set up Hand Screen um, with Lord Sugar and his son Simon. And I was just saying to Ben at the, at the back of the book, it was 14 years ago that I actually won The Apprentice, which makes me feel, well, I am old, just got this way. So it makes me feel really old. Um, but that was the first business that we set up. And one of the key learners from that was keep things simple. I think what we all tend to do Maybe it's generalizations, you can all have a go at me after this, but I think what we tend to do is we start to overcomplicate stuff and try to be busy. Oh, we're really busy. I'm doing 10 hour days, 11 hours, really busy, but are we fundamentally doing the right things within our business? Which is similar again to what you talked about earlier. So, then basic things, sometimes people look around and think, oh, that's pretty basic. Yeah, but actually, it's the fundamental, the basics of work that enables you to be successful in business. I don't know if you agree with that. A hundred percent. And you mentioned that your characteristics as a business owner. I think it's important for us to understand what it is we bring to the table as an individual. Mm. Some of you are numbers people, and and you need some more. What's it? What's Jazz hands. Yeah. <laughs> you need some more of that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah sure. I mean, the people that are really good at going out and creating the business, they're the ones that really need the numbers. I, I think this is lesson number two for me. It's, it's actually don't be afraid to invest, as we talked about earlier today, don't be afraid to invest in good people. If you're running services, it adds up your running service type business. So majority of the people in the room, you know, don't be afraid to invest in the most important asset in your business, which is what? People, it's us, it's you, it's people. They are the most important. Uh, you know, as a CEO or as a founder, or as an MD, or you know, chief toilet cleaner, I like to call myself. But the, the reality is, whatever we call ourselves, probably don't realise that the most important part of our job is understanding what Adam did at the weekend, right? Or what Ben, or what, what Ben might be struggling with. Do you understand where I'm coming from? So it's that people thing. You might be one or two people. Um, businesses, but when you start to grow, you start to take on that responsibility um, of other people within your business and understanding, you know, just because somebody's done a bad job or hasn't done it to the best of it, why? Is it because they haven't got skill? Is it because they're lazy? Is it because all the things that we may think, oh, why have you done that? Ad? But actually, it's because you've had, a, you've had a shopping weekend in your personal life for whatever reason, but we don't realise that. But it's difficult not to bring that in to work. Does that make sense? I, I think the world has changed, again, I've got me after if I'm wrong, but I think the world has changed a lot since, you know, leave your personal life at home and, you know, work is working. It's just not like that now. The two worlds are completely blended. So to actually understand the types of people and have good people around you, why am not good with a spreadsheet? So why, why am I going to say, oh, I'm the CEO and I'm going to spend all my time on a spreadsheet? Why am I going to do that? I'm going to get somebody to, when I'm in a position to, come and do my spreadsheet stuff for me, and I'm going to go out and jazz hands people, because actually that's what I know. <laughs> so that's probably just number two, to be fair. Perfect. So when we talk about the three businesses you set up, let's look at Anstream. Mm. What did you, what was that like, going and starting that business? What was the, what was the plan like? 
you know, and you mentioned to me at the bank, you were looking at budgets and looking at growing these different things and you were trying to build them up. I think from a, when we talk about the salesperson going out, that information about what we need to accomplish, what we need to raise, what we need to do, is really important, isn't it? Did yeah. you do a lot of that there? What lessons did you learn, actually? It's a better question. What did you learn from working with Lord Sugar that prepared you for the future? Well, definitely keeping simple, which is part of that. Keeping things simple, don't overcomplicate. But I think probably for the first, I would say five or six months, literally all I did was knock on people's doors and say, can I meet you? That's literally all I did. Adam, let's have a meeting in 20 minutes. Sunil, let's have a meeting. Sasha, let's have a meeting. Ben, let's have a meeting. And what, what was happening, I was asking all, all of the audience, my, my audience, my potential customers, what, what is it you want? Like, it was weird actually with Amazon because we purchased, we acquired a technology company called Contech, which was uh, based up in Bolton, brilliant, brilliant business, really, really clever people, software engineers. And what they were doing, they were, they were um, engineering the technology that, that ran the digital advertising. But what, to be fair to them, what they wasn't doing, they wasn't asking the customers what they wanted. So they were all these clever people just spending money developing this brilliant stuff. And then the sales team would go, my customer don't want that. So it's kind of the, have you ever heard the expression, expression the tail wagging the dog? Not the dog wagging the tail, right? So it was that sort of scenario. So I, I just I just felt that what we needed to do when we set up Amscreen properly was to find out what do our customers want, what do our potential customers. If I built this, would you buy it? If I if I had this as a service, would you take that on? You know, then sort of. And I think that's a really, basic stuff, really, really. It's not. It sounds basic. It's actually not that basic because a lot of people don't do it. You know, a lot of people don't go out and say, actually, what is it you want? Now we talked about that earlier, find your buyer first, oh, understand yes. exactly what they want and then you can create an offer for them which is incredible, yeah. uh, which is amazing. And then of course you went on to set up your own recruitment business now, and that's obviously where we first met <laughs> and uh, you know you did some, some great stuff there. Talk to us a little bit about the recruitment business, what's a recruitment business running in like, what lessons did you learn along the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, with the Amsterdam journey, two and a half years, we within seven months we signed a five million pound contract with BP. So that that kind of research, if you like, that kind of, and, and I've, I've worked for bosses in the past that says, don't bother doing your research, just get on the phone, make some sales. Have you ever been in a situation like, go on, and do it? But actually, understanding what your client, what your customer wants, doing that research really starts to give you that foundation for you to be able to go and effectively sell, if you like, or, or provide a solution to their pain points. You, you, can't, you can't provide a solution better than the pain is, right? To find out what the pain is. And that was the, our journey with Amscreen. And, and ultimately, after two, just under two and a half years, a fantastic time, I, I got a lot of courage from setting up a business, because your question was, what was it like? It was amazing. Like, I'm working for a multi-millionaire that, that, that I didn't have this cash flow problem, so we talking about, I, don't, I didn't have any of that. So it enabled me to kind of have a, a stage, if you like, to go and say, right, this is what we can create. So that was fantastic, but it wasn't my passion. Like my passion is people, I've been in recruitment at the time, I've been in now for 21 years, but I've been in recruitment for a long period of time, and recruitment for me was, was my passion, people was my passion. So it was inevitable once I, once I found the courage or the skill set, if you like, to set my own company up, which is what all of you, if not the majority of you in this room have done, which I tip my hat to all of you because you are probably in the top 3%, 5% in, in the country. You know, by the way, if it was easy, 
everyone will be doing it, right? Do you understand what I'm coming from? So, to be in the top 5%, 3% of people who set their own businesses up, you've got to give yourself a round of applause for that, you? You said energy was high, is it high? Give yourself a round of applause. So I wanted to set my own business up. Because I was late coming into set my coming up, but I did, and it was more talent. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to we wanted to go into the early career space. And what I was a bit fed up with, I was fed up with clients saying, "We need graduates. We need a graduate. We need a graduate. We need a graduate." Well, actually, for the majority of roles, at, 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 at certainly at early stage, you don't need to be a graduate. You don't need to have a degree to go and do them. I'm going to embarrass myself probably, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Put your hands up if you've got a degree. So, quite a few. I'd probably say yes, 65, 65% of the room have got a degree. Have you all gone into the role of what your degree is? Put your hand up if you have. Okay, so it's a lot less. So anyway, what's the point? The degrees have a, a huge learning. By the way, I've got three children, and I won't push them to do a degree or not a degree, but if they want to do a degree, it's completely fine, so I'm not anti-degree, that's the first thing. But what I am, what I was really passionate about, and still am passionate about today, Ed, is I can't understand why you would hire somebody based on a piece of paper, and based on a certificate, when you should be hiring based on them. Well, you should be hiring based on a personality, a behaviour. What are they competent at doing? I'm not, I'm not hiring Adam because of what he's got written on a piece of paper. I'm hiring Adam, I'm not hiring Adam by the way, Adam might be hiring me. <laughs> but Adam, Adam's coming to work, well, I'm hiring Adam because of his leadership skills, because of his you know, sales and his commerciality. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we created a business that ripped up the CV. We said, well, we ain't interested in what your CV is, we're interested in you. So we created a business that, that looked at personalities, behaviours and competencies. And over, like you said, 12 years, you'll you, you back on white, 11 years, uh, period, we created a business that went global. And we were, we were servicing organisations in Singapore, in America, like in New York, in Miami, in Tampa, in Austin, in Texas, in Australia, with this methodology, and that methodology was, let's rip up the resume, rip up the CV, and hire based on who you are, what can you bring to us? Um, and that's what we did with our clients. It's a great USP as well, right? So it's about understanding your proposition. And Lee's really, really good at a number of things. So first of all, it made me laugh when he started reading off the names. Oh. So we, we used to play this game. So oh, don't ask me now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can play this game now or not, but I don't get enough time. But we used to play this game where Lee, I, I'm not that good with names. Like, I am good with all your names because obviously we've met and spent time together, of course. But Lee used to be able to go into a room with 100 people, meet them all, and be able to read off every single name in the room and greet them by yeah. name, you. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know why that is. It's such, such a bizarre thing. I just, I just think, I had this little, and I've said this, for those of you who know me from before, I've just said this in this forum, but you know, sometimes we go to a supermarket and every single person in the supermarket's got a name tag on. Yes or no, right? Yeah. Does anyone use the name tag? Oh, I use it all the time. Oh my god. And what a, what a service you get, by the way. <laughs> on the way over, I go to a petrol station, go to a petrol station, you've got someone I'm respect. I'll use my own name so I don't you know, isolate anyone. And Lee is behind the counter. I go, hi Lee, how you getting on? And I'll tell you now, Lee will go, oh, fantastic. Can I get anything for you? <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I suppose I've had that from, from an early, I don't know, from an early age, and I've just tried to use that as a kind of a, a relationship. Building this is what I think your real, Lee's got an amazing skill. 
of relationship building. What's really interesting is you said you spent all your time hamstring out in building relationships. I remember when at one point when I was growing my business, I had a coach called Marco at the time, and he said, Adam, you spend 70% of your time behind your desk, right? Mm -hmm. And 30% of your time with suppliers, and you need to switch that around. You need to spend 70% of your time building relationships and watch the impact it has on your business. And I took that advice <coughs> at the time, it's incredible. You really yeah. did this, aren't you? You know, I think I think the other thing is what come back to what you said about before about you know sometimes sitting going desk or sometimes have we ever anyone in the room since you started our businesses more at different levels of the business that we're at now a month ago or you know five years ago or whatever but have we ever sat there and thought what's the point of what why I'm doing this for you know your graph earlier December yeah. what's the point in that actually thinking about what is it that you're really good at and do that. And then get somebody else to do the stuff that complements what you're not so good at. Does that make sense? And again, it might sound really simple to do, but actually sometimes that is the best way. Now, when we started Things 51, I've always been on my own, like through, through the war talent for my business. I earned it 100%. I started it from scratch, you know, for my own money, like all self-funded, like most of you people are doing. With Phoenix, it's a, it's a technology business. It's slightly different. And I need, I want to do it somewhat. I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, do it like a not a boy band, right? but I wanted to do it like, you know, like get a band back together. I mean, you know, share, share doing something together rather than being on your own, you know? Um, so I got my business partner, Chris Moonsworth, who's a qualified business psychologist, and what he's amazing at, psychology and business and behavioural science. So with my jazz hands and with Chris's, you know, actually's brains, we put these things together, and that's why we've created a really successful tech business. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's quite interesting, the dynamics of how, how that works together. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, if we go back to, maybe we'll travel a little bit back, so I'll talk about some of the events that, you know, myself and Lee did. One of the things that Lee was really, really, really amazing at was building those relationships. So you've got to look at how do you go and build relationships with people and spend more of your time building those relationships. One time we, we did an event in London, did an amazing event in London, we got straight on a plane and flew to Amsterdam. And we did, yeah. Yeah, to do an event the next day in Amsterdam, so it's our first international event um, that we did, and we did it together, didn't we? Yeah. And, you know, Lee was amazing with the people, uh, building those relationships with all the people in Holland for the first time they've been over there before. Just went into a group of like a hundred Holland business owners and just built fantastic relationships. Great, so I'll give you some tips on how do these people build amazing relationships, even if it's outside of their comfort zone. Because I'm a big advocate of, of you working together, getting to know each other. Some people are a bit more introvertedly yeah. sometimes. So what would you say about relationship building? What would you say to people? You use names. There's your, <laughs> That's, there's your hunger for me. Go, when you go to service day, you use someone's name. Um, I think it's, uh, I, I think, I think COVID, that sounds weird that I'm bringing that up, I think COVID has changed even myself on how to build their relationship. I think a lot of people got a bit more insular. So if you are a little bit introverted or a bit insular, probably more so after COVID. I know uh, that, that helped me as well. I know it sounds stupid, I'm still sitting up in front of you like jazz hands, but it's not, it, it, it does take a bit of, um, courage, you know, you know, to say well, what's, the, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to reach out to someone and say hello. Again, try this. If you go and pay somebody a compliment, the chances are that you're going to get a happy response back. I, mean, I don't know, it depends on what compliment is. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? If you go and be nice to somebody, I think that's what it comes down to, is just being nice. Like being nice to somebody, understanding, asking questions. 
that you're genuinely interested. I'm gonna, I want to try and sell you something, Ed, but you know what? Tell them about your business first. Tell them about your pain points. Tell them about what it is. And get that information. That's a relationship builder. Does that make sense? So a lot of you probably do this already, right? But that, that, that would be my foundations. Actually, Steve, uh, the memory from last time, thank you, Steve. He actually just reminded me that sometimes when you have a relationship with one person, that's actually quite brittle. And actually, have you asked yourself a question in your business? Have you got a relationship with two, three, four people within your customer, within your client? Because if you haven't, what happens if that one person, you've got that straight, long relationship, leaves? What happens? There's no client anymore, right? So it's really, and again, I think we probably learned this early, but it was, it made you, and I still do this now, I'm still thinking about this now, I'm thinking if my staff are here now, they say, Lee, you haven't got this relationship, but it's actually trying to build strength for life. If you're struggling to, does anybody struggle to get money in? Ad was talking earlier about cash flow. Is anyone struggling to get people to pay? Yeah, so a few people like your debtors are quite long or whatever. Now, have we got a relationship with accounts? Can we can we um, have a relationship with accounts and a relationship with the CEO and a relationship? Do you see where I'm coming from? So you've got them types of different, and, and it takes time. You know, we don't go on a date, do we? And then you know, well, I don't know if you're using something. But you don't go on a date straight away, and all of a sudden it's happy days. You're getting married next week. Don't work like that, does it? Does, does that work like that? Not really. What it takes is time and nurturing and understanding and, and that, that, that will to want to get to know new people. I don't know most of the names, so I can't pull you out. But so I can pronounce Sasha, I can pronounce Sunel, I know obviously the names. But, you know, but just because I know Sunel, I don't mean to say that we've now got a relationship. I've now got to work on that. So can I be bothered to WhatsApp Sunel later? Or can I be bothered to follow it up? You know, after I've do you see where I'm coming from? Okay, that's what you're really, really good at. That, yeah, and I think everyone can learn a lesson from that because, you know, for me, I'm not actually the best person in the world at keeping in touch with people. But where me and Lee have built a really strong relationship, I'll be honest, is because Lee's, all, you know, we've kept in touch with him. It's having a it's having yeah. courage at as well. If I haven't spoke to Adam for, I don't know, three months, four months, life moves on, stuff happens, whatever, it's having the courage to be a still about pick the phone up and go, right, how are they getting on? How's things? But how many of us do that? Like even, I don't want to get all too like, you know, personal work, but even in our own relationships. I don't speak to my dad that often, I don't speak to my mum that often, but you know, actually with my, my clients, I probably speak to more than I do my family sometimes. But that's, it's, it's about surrounding you with, it's surrounding yourself with people that you want to be around. And, and that's a part of going back to the recruitment business and things, technology business, which is about behaviors and competencies and working with people that you want to work with be around and work with, because then when you become their, I don't want to say counsellor, but when you become their counsellor or confidant over the weekend, because Ben's had a nightmare, you, you don't think, oh, God, Ben, here we go again. You don't think that, do you? Because you really like Ben, and you've got a really good relationship with Ben. Does that make sense? And so I think, I think it's that, it's fit, and having the courage to say, do you know what, I haven't spoken to you for a while, but I know we get on, and, and, and I know we're good mates, so I'm just going to pick the phone up. Again, on, what's going on? And everyone's sitting here today because of that reason. <laughs> <I love laughs> True story. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's something you can do with each other, right? You've all spoke to each other today. You've all had conversations with each other. There's no reason why you can't help each other and talk to each other and have the courage and the bravery to reach out to each other and support each other. That's definitely a lesson, something that Lee's really great at. So let's talk about now. So we're now on, still got the Will Talent Academy. Um, you're moving to, or you have moved into the tech and the business is flying, right? 
So let's talk about why tech as a, for, as a starting point. Because I think this is, comes back to numbers, actually, as well. Mm. You've been quite strategic about the marketplace you were going to. Yeah, 100%. I think your graph really resonated with me. You know, Ad's graph earlier when you talked about uh, January, February, March, and then December, then it drops off and you start again. So 10 years, 11 years of raw talent is basically literally every single month you do some deals, you make some money, you go again. You do some deals, you make some money, you go again. And that's for a year, and then for two years, and then for three. And it's 10 years, 11 years of every single month you're doing that. That's how it works, it's an recruitment company. So there's no annuity revenue, you don't, you understand that term? I think most of you do, right? Explain that term. Okay, so, so, okay, so annuity revenue is sticky revenue or revenue that is reoccurring. Reoccurring revenue coming to the business. So, uh, sorry, what's your name? Sharon. So, Sharon, I sell you saying you buy it for 50 grand, happy days, but is Sharon going to come back and buy it again? Or how long is it going to take before Sharon spends another 50 grand with me? Annuity revenue is Sharon buys something and it comes in every single month. So I've done my, I've done my deal with Sharon and then, a, what's your name? Diet. And then I move on to Diane and then Diane comes in and now I've got Sharon paying me money every month and I've got Diane paying me money every month. Does that make sense? There's your annuity revenue. And the raw talent, raw talent business isn't that. It was every month go again, go again. And even though I probably pride myself on hard work, graft, determination, my dad's a milkman, right? At the end of the day, I come from a working class council background, that sort of stuff. And I pride myself on them ethics. It's quite tiring at the end of the day, right? <laughs> so I was thinking to myself, we've got, this, we've got this recruitment business that is set up to showcase data, key data points on everybody coming into our client businesses. So businesses around the world, like uh, 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 TPI Cap, which is one of the largest uh, like brokers on the planet, and they've got data points being able to know that Adam's perfect for that role, or Diane's perfect for that role, or Session's perfect for that role. Not based on CV, based on data and data points, which we all love, right? We all love data now, don't we? Like we live in that world. But what we didn't have is we didn't have that digitalized. So we had it on paper and write things down. You know, it's like spreadsheets. So we couldn't really reuse that data for each client. Um, so what we did was we decided, stupidly or brilliantly, hopefully it's going to be brilliant, I invested a load of money, <laughs> a load of money in, a, uh, in building my own technology platform that would actually digitalize and centralize people assessment. And that's what Phoenix 51 is. Um, and our, our 51st user of the platform via my recruitment company tapped me on the shoulder and said, which is Mediacom by the way, uh, one of our most long-standing clients, they said, um, would you sell us that direct? You say, yeah, of course. And I kind of ran back to the office thinking, why? How am I going to take that business and make it a standalone business? And there's an important lesson in that as well, right? Oh, uh, absolutely. And again, I'm sorry to go back to more talent days. That's a perfect example. When we signed TPI Cap, they said to us, can you do London? And we was like, yeah, of course, we can recruit for you in London. Of course you can, because that's what we do. And so, can you recruit for us in New York? And it's a true story. My entire team, well, in, in, not in client meeting, but afterwards, and my entire team said, no, we can't do that, Lee. I said, no, we can. And the reason why we can is because we're going to find a way to make it work. And so you find a solution. And that's what I was saying. Ben actually asked me the question earlier, like, what was he like doing? And I said, I like finding solutions to customer problems. It just means if I find a solution, they end up buying, and then we end up making money, right? And that's how it works. And of course, we went from New York to Austin, Texas, and uh, and Miami and Singapore and all these wonderful things. So by saying no, 
yes, you need to focus and you need to be um, focused on, on your niche and what you're doing, but also making sure that by saying no is not hamstringing you. Because actually sometimes by saying yes, it enables you to go down a slightly different path that enables you to make more revenue and generate you know, a better, a better business on the back of it. So yeah, that, that was definitely... So you said yes to these people and that spawned a new company. And it did, yeah. So yeah, going back to, to Fink 51, what we did, I said yes to these people, uh, to, to Mediacom, and then we extracted the technology, we set up its own uh, um, uh, entity, and now there's a SaaS business. So if, for those of you who don't know that term, technology is is sexy, like everybody loves a bit of technology. For, you know, but as soon as you start running a tech business, like, oh, really? What is it? It's, it's like a buzzword thing. But the reality is that it's annuity revenue. It's monthly income that's coming in every single month and you layer and layer and layer and layer. So for 20 clients, 30 clients, 40 clients, it's starting to grow. So the graph that Adam talked about earlier, sometimes it grows, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes not in our world. In our world, it's literally a hockey stick. You know a hockey stick? You know what I mean? It's just going up like that. So our, our whole business um, model and entity is built around exiting at a certain point. Um, which is end of 2024, so two, just over two years now. Um, so we've been building the business for two years and we're at scale-up phase now. So we're not a startup, we're at scale-up, which basically is really good foundation, really good uh, revenue, double our revenues year on year. So we're we'll targeting again to double our revenue 2022 to 21. Um, and by 24, we want to be at this level of revenue that will enable an organisation to say, I want to buy you. And that's basically the model we built. And it's very different to how we normally ran a recruitment sales business, right? Because, so I've learned... And it's an important thing, I think it's an important lesson for you all. You know, sometimes I've had conversations with you about keeping getting that revenue and actually finding a revenue stream. You still look in your product ranges, you're about to go and write budgets. Mm. And you have to ask yourself the question, what is it you can do that you can increase that frequency of transaction? Because someone buys something once, that's one deal. They buy for you 12 times, i.e. once a month, that's 12 times. They buy for you 24, that's a two-year contract, three-year contract. And like you said, an annuity business is usually valued at a much higher amount than, um, than a standard business. So if you want to make more money, you want to sell your business for more money, you've got to look at how you can bring that in. And there's lots of different ways, isn't there? Yeah, but just on that as well, I mean, if you think about your decision-making changes, Quite a lot. So if you've got, if you, and, and I can make this comparison very comfortably because I've just ran a perm recruitment company for the last 10, 11 years of literally just doing this every single month. So say you go and sell 50 grand worth of stuff, let's call it stuff, you know, the technical term stuff. You go and sell 50 grand worth of stuff in month one, and then you've got to go and do that again in month two and again in month three. You're constantly looking for new business, constantly. The most expensive way to, uh, to grow your business is constantly looking at new business. It's most expensive because you have to do all the sales stuff that Adam was talking about. And, and all of that, by the way, is absolutely critical and crucial, but you're constantly having to get new business, new business, new business. Whereas actually, with, um, with the annuity revenue model, by the way, I'll caveat by saying always look for new business, but start <laughs> looking for upselling business. 
right? Which is where you're coming from, right? Yeah. So, so actually, okay, I've got Diane now, you're my client. What else can I sell to you? What else do you might need? So, and that's where you can start looking at upsetting, looking at that inflation piece. It changes the whole dynamic of, I keep looking at this board over there, like, so where you're dealing with scribbles. But, you know, you're, that, that, that switching piece. It also, it also enables you to make different cost decisions in your business because you know the business is banked and you know it's coming in. It's contracted revenue. Does that make sense? So you're making a business, as a business owner, you're making a different decision. You're not turning around and going, I can't spend that on marketing this month because I'm not sure if I'm going to get another deal, which is what a lot of people will say for a service, you know, continue business, because actually you know the money's coming in, so you can then go, you know what, I can spend it even more, I can spend it wisely, or I can grow even quicker. Does that make sense? So that investment piece of going back into your business every single month, I mean, I've, I've driven some decent motors in my time, and, you know, and I've got like, some of the nice, finer things in life and that stuff, food, food business that I've built, but I've always put money back in. Every single time I've put the money back in, I think that's, that's important. But it depends on where you want to get to, just why the plan is so important. If you want to, like, want to run a lifestyle business that gives you a really good living, enables you to be your own boss, take every Friday off, that's amazing. But as long as you're running into how you want it to be, don't pretend that you're going to sell it for multi-million pounds in three years if you're taking every Friday off. Because it doesn't work like that either. I'm not being rude, I'm just saying, that's how it works, right? That's, that, that's how it works. So, so looking at this uh, model, this, this new business, so are you going to be the first billionaire apprentice? Oh, I don't know, do you know what? <laughs> I just, think, just need to work that out, right? Yeah. Because what we might do is we might do a speed for agreement. Plus, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I've just invested in this company. Yeah, so, you got uh, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think Ricky is doing amazing well. Uh, Ricky Martin from the next equipment up, yeah. or one of the Joe, Joseph's doing really well. Most of us are doing pretty well for, for ourselves. I'm not sure we'll be a billion. I think, I think what I've learned over the last probably 18 months, two years since I've set up this tech business, is that actually, if you're really focused on wanting to do something, you can actually go and do it. I mean, it's two years old this month, which means, for all of you brilliant and massive numbers, um, we started this in a global pandemic. Who started their business in a global pandemic? Nice. Uh, it's, it's probably the hardest decision to make, but it's also probably, because uh, it's a bold decision to do it, isn't it? But actually, to start to drive that through is, is really important. So we started a business in a global pandemic, we had that scenario where, do we do it, do we not do it? We decided, let's go for it, why, you know? And, it's, and I, have to, I have to stress, just because I feel like I have to, that I'm not a multi-millionaire, right, already. So it's not, it was an easy, this is not some toy that I'm paying, right? This is actually how I pay my mortgage, as well as drive, you know, and send my children to school and all that. That's, that is, this, this is my earning, my level. So it's not like, oh, he's just playing around. Do you, do you see what I mean? It is serious. Um, but we did it, and because we were bold, and because we did it, like a few, few of you guys and girls in the room, we're probably going to reap the rewards for that. So, you know, the multiples, the unicorns, does anyone know what that is in, in tech that to, to create a unicorn business? is a valuation of a million dollars, or over a million, a billion, sorry, a billion, yeah. One of that. I think a horse is a million. Yeah, we've got four horses. So we're, we're, value, we're valued that four million. So we've got a company valuation of four million quid already. 
Um, and we want to obviously increase that. And our whole business model isn't just about profitability, it's about driving the top line revenue because in SaaS, uh, software as a service or technology, that's where you start to get your big multiples. So it's been a huge learning curve for me to be able to go, hang on, I'm so used to EBITDA, profitability, and serving, and all that stuff, which is just a slightly, it's a different way of looking at building that business out. So I, I, I'd probably say in the, in the millions, in the double-digit millions, rather than <laughs> millions, to be fair, but that's we'll see, that's what we're going after. So what would you say, obviously we've got a big group of people you here right now, some that you've obviously met before from the past, what are some of the things that you'd say to them, Lee, what are some of the tips you'd give them for taking on that business, driving it home, and you know, really going and growing their business themselves. What would you say from your experience is the kind of things that you think, what does it take to be successful? I think, I think you have to be honest with you, with you. I think you have to be honest with yourself. I think that over ambition, I think I, I'm one of these people that is that kind of over ambitious like person, like that person that will reach for the moon and if I end up getting to the stars or the other way around, then at least, you know, reach for the stars and get to the moon, then it's, it's probably good enough. Most, most people hit 80% of where they want to be, most people all, but you have to be really elite, you have to be really elite to go and win the Champions League, right, as a football team, or to go and, win, to go and beat um, your own world records in athletics or in the marathon. You have to be massively elite to do that. And to win seven Formula One titles like Lewis Hamilton has done, you have to be elite. And elitism, for me, comes from focus and drive and waking up every morning and saying, this is what I'm going to do, what I'm going to achieve today. That's the kind of the, kind of the big wow thing. I think on an individual daily basis, if you just ask yourself a question, my 1% better today than I was yesterday, by the end of the week, you're going to be 7% better off, aren't you? Or 5%, depends if you're working the weekend. So actually to break it down into small chunks and actually set yourself goals that you can achieve. I remember when I first started kind of a budget thing, and I was like, oh no, that means I've put a, I've said it out loud, and I like, I have to achieve it, don't I? I have to achieve it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, it, because sometimes that can be a bit of a new strategy, like, whoa, hang on, I've now got to hit that number. It's a guide for you to be able to get better and to drive uh, your, your business forward. And, and it's also a, a, a tool, if you like. To, who, who's hiring people already? Who's, who's increasing their staff numbers and all that sort of stuff? So there's a few of you in the room. When you start bringing people onto your business, they need to be brought into something, don't they? They need to be brought into the whole essence of your business. And it's not just the case of, oh, I, I run a tech business or I run a recruitment business or a speaking business. It's actually who we are, what we do, and that, that kind of that personality of that business itself. The why, <laughs> yeah, I can get to that, but you know what I'm talking no, about. I, mean, I think it's really good for you to, to give, you know, I think Lee's got a very, very human approach to the way he runs and grows businesses and gets really great results out of the people. So I think you should definitely share that. You know, why is that so important for our clients? What you always used to talk about this at the events for me, so just a little bit on that because. Yeah, so has anyone heard of Simon Sinek? Yeah. yeah, if you, if you, there's a lot of nods, so fantastic. Now, do yourself a favour, if you haven't heard of him, just put in uh, TED Talk Simon Sinek and just watch it for 15 minutes. It's, it's brilliant. Um, but in a nutshell, what he talks about is don't start with what. So don't start with what we do, start with why we do it. The purpose of our business. Now, some people in here will, will shop in Asda, some people will shop in Lidl, some people shop in Waitrose. The reality is, quality of the food, 
and the products that you're getting is probably similar, but you'll pay 30% more in Waitrose than you're paying about Lidl or whatever it is. But some people like going to Waitrose, right? They like getting the little green counter and getting a free coffee and looking at the people walking around in a different way. Do, do, see what I mean? Don't want to get your food off a pallet. You want to get it off a nice, clean shelf. I'm being a bit facetious, but you see what I'm coming from. So, so Waitrose isn't selling on their price. They're not selling based on, or come to us because we're more expensive. They're selling on the experience. They're selling on why we do things. We are Waitrose. You know, it's not m &S. It's not just any old food, it's m &S food, and we were like, oh yeah, I need that like toffee crumble. Did you see what I'm talking about? So a really good exercise, maybe we'll get into it, and maybe in the next session if you have your back or whatever, but to really ask yourself a question of why does my business exist? And actually start to use that to your customers. Tell your customers, you, you might do this already, do you tell your customers why you set a company up? Did you do that? Do you tell them why your company exists? What what is it that you do? Is Can you explain to the benefit? Because <coughs> what I saw from a lot of people mm. is they struggle with this, and they because they struggle to go that deeply. Yeah, they struggle to go that deep. So I think what we what I'd like to ask you because you're a really massive believer, and you know I used to love you talking about it. I think it's really good because it doesn't yeah. make a big difference, you know. I certainly tell people now exactly why I do what I do. I always tell them. I always tell them as part of when we offer a program where we bring people on. I'm very transparent about, hey, look, we do this because I do this because I've travelled the world learning business. I went to 50 different mentors, you know, I had different advice to do. I never found anyone that brought it all together. And I wanted to create a business program that had it all. Right, and, and for me, that purpose is to, to really educate people and stop them from being in pain. Because people are making mistakes, they're putting their lives at risk, they're putting their families' lives at risk, they're putting their children at risk, by going and starting a business and not knowing how to run. That's the truth. So I like to do this because of that reason, it's my purpose, right? Yeah, like, you know, so what are the benefits, though? I know what the benefits are. I want you to tell the people, what, yeah. what benefit do they get from really delivering that message? It, so you, you'll get you'll get multiple benefits. So if you're hiring, so those people that are hiring in the room, you'll get people that are bought into your business. They will stay. They will be retained. They will not leave. They're not leaving based on an extra five pounds an hour or three grand a year or whatever. They're not leaving because they are built built into your very essence of what what we do culturally, values wise. So hear this. So I'm, I'm, no, no, please. If you've got people leaving, or you can't keep your problem, or you've got constant staff problems, ask yourself the question, have you done what Lee just said? Because usually the businesses I see that struggle with the staff and have those staff problems, they haven't done it. So if you don't want those staff problems, we've got to do something different to get something different. Yeah. You know, and I spoke to a lot of businesses, and obviously I know lots of people that are really, really well, yeah. and I know the ones that have had staff problems, and I know they don't do that. Yeah, yeah. So I really want to back up what you're saying. It, it, yeah. it could be, I don't know, in business it's all hard work, there's no low hanging fruit, but that could be a, a bit of low hanging fruit if you like. You can, yeah. something you can quickly change and start to see a difference. From a customer perspective, or new business, or customer acquisition point of view, um, you're working with clients or customers that believe in what your business is doing because they understand why you set it up in the first place. And you don't set your business up to be a multi-millionaire. You might do, you don't tell your customer that because they're going for game on. You're just going to be fleecing me for money, right? But actually, the reason, the reason why we set up more talent and why we set up 51 is because 
We fundamentally believe that hiring on a piece of paper is wrong. It's ridiculous. It's the most important asset in your business is people, yet you're looking at a quick piece of paper doing a 20 minute interview and then going, yeah, all right, we'll do. That's utterly crazy. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you go and really look at understanding the data points on what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, what you can bring in, does Diane fit in with Sasha and the team, does the team dynamic there, does Adam work well with Ben? No, because Adam might be brilliant and Ben might be brilliant. If they don't work together, you've got problems straight away. Are you with me? So understand, that was just my example for, for, for my business, but understand fundamentally the why that is, is changing that. So we'll explain this with Lou, sort of break it down. Uh, he has a lived and breathed that message. Like, with repetition. You've said it so many times. Yeah. And it's good that you do that, because that message hits. Who are the type of people that that influence? Like, who are the type of people you recruit for? You've done stuff with Tottenham Hotspur, haven't you? Yeah, like, yeah, no, no, yeah, like, Tottenham, we've done Common Spurs, season to go. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to win the league, don't you worry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I've done uh, done business with Telefonica, one of our clients now, Reach BLC, 5,000 business. Uh, Telefonica, you all know Telefonica, why they own O2. Um, so, massive company, uh, media company, no, some, some big businesses globally around. And it resonates with the people, the individual people that you're dealing with, because if it's their own value. Now, here's the biggest thing you've got to get your head around, and, it, and it's still to this day with my team and everyone else, it's the hardest thing to get your head around. Not everyone will want to do business with you. It's just the way it is. Not everyone wants to, I was going to say something really dirty, yeah, but not everyone wants to take me back to the hotel room at night later on, right? They don't. This is the way life is. So he's thrown it out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It's there. I suppose the point I'm making is the Stephen's got glazy eyes there, right? <laughs> the point I'm making probably badly is that you can't please everyone, right? You're not everybody's cup of tea. Actually, if you then go out and find the customers that have shared your same values, share your same why, do you think you've got a better chance of signing them as a customer, yes or no? Yes. Of course you have. Of course you have. It's the reason why we are married or we're not, we're the people that we're together, the reason why we've got really good relationships with our families, the people that we've chosen to be with, it's the same. It's the same essence of that. It takes time, it takes effort, and if you're not a relationship person yourself, then find somebody to help you be that or work with you to drive them relationships. You know, there's a few, is anyone in the, business, in the room who's got a recruitment company? Okay, amazing. So, uh, nice one, I've got recruitment in this previous but recruitment, uh, probably sales as well, but recruitment is a people business, isn't it? Let's be brutally honest about it. And actually, if people left your respective businesses and went off as a recruitment someone's done something else, they'd probably take half their customers with them. Because they don't necessarily buy, you know, LeeMcQueen.com, they buy me or the, the, the relationship or the why that I've actually got or, or you, you guys and girls respectively. So that whole why piece is really important. Remember, it's getting 15 minute TED talk with Simon Sinek does a much better job than I do in a couple of minutes talking about it. But it's something that fundamentally changed the way I ran the business. And I'll give you a quick antidote for that. So we got the wartime business up to, I know, two, two and a half million at one point. Um, before we rechanged, and we rechanged most of our customers were recruitment businesses. So we were almost like a recruitment to recruitment service. And what we were finding is we'd get the revenue in, we'd get people that wanted uh, um, 
that work with us, but they didn't really want to work with us. They didn't really want to train and develop their staff. They didn't really want early careers people. They didn't really want that. What they wanted was bums on seats. That's all they wanted. They just right, give some people in and we'll churn them and ah, they churned. So if they churn, in other words, if they leave within a, a short space of time, we'd end up giving them a rebate. <laughs> terrible business, right? Terrible for more talent, terrible for the client, terrible for the candidate. Completely, what's the point? Look, come back to a graph. What is the point? So what we decided using the wire method, if you like, is that we said, let's, let's focus on who we want our customers to be or our clients to be, but actually focus on going off the people that actually want to train and develop their people, that actually believe that ripping up a CV is the way forward. That every time a project has gone wrong is because fundamentally, if I turn around to Adam, Adam, do you believe in hiring CV? If you say yes and I'm working with you, that's a problem. And that is fundamentally where they go wrong. So what we ended up doing was going, right, let's, let's get rid of all of our recruitment company uh, clients which was like 90% of our revenue. And we almost reinvented the companies back in like 2016, 17. And then we started again with companies that fundamentally really wanted uh, or believed in our why, which was rip up CV, hire based on data points um, of behavior competencies. Does that make sense? I haven't lost anyone, have I? So for- How did you present that? Because being in recruitment myself, it's very difficult, especially on here, not so much hand, to present that to new wins. Yeah. Because straight away they're like, can you be on your CV? Um, if you say to them, you know, no, look at potential, not competency, they still just want you to whack a CV. Yeah, oh, is, it, is it Robin? Yeah. Look at that. I mean, but it's truth to not know people's names. No, it's all the ones with blonde hair. No, 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 no. My wife's blonde. Robin, uh, yeah, it was, it was hard. And to be honest, 10 years, 11 years in, I'm still on my soapbox. As you can probably tell, like, so I'm quite, this is probably a subject that I won't get into my words on because I generally believe that we're frying money down the toilet, down the drain, um, if we're hiring more people. But, you know, I, don't think, I don't think people realise, a lot of you might not realise in the room, that you know, on average, it costs between 12 and 30 grand for every bad hire that you make in a business. That's not recruitment fees, Robin. That's not just our fees, is it? Do you know what I mean? That is everything. That's training, the bus likes as well. All, all them things, you know, uh, um, holiday pay, you know, uh, laptops, all of it in. And this has been verified by um, uh, CIPD, right? So there's a huge amount of waste, we call it talent waste, right? There's a huge amount of waste going on in businesses. And actually, by talking to people, passionately showing them the way this is how it works, this is what the statistics are, this is where we go versus what we're currently doing, that was, that was the way that we, we got there in the end. Perseverance, a bit of me getting on my soapbox as well, never, never really harmed anyone. I mean, I don't know, some people might say I'm aggressive, I'd say I'm passionate. Does it come across passion? Yes. Yeah, so that, that really believing. It's very difficult not to so you've got to sell us. Yeah, you've got, you've got to be, you've got to believe in this is what we're doing. Now, by the way, it's higher based on those CVs, but oh, by the way, can you send me some CVs when I'm hiding? It doesn't make sense, does it? I can't hire Adam to be my, my man if he believes fundamentally that he needs the CV. He doesn't come into my business because he has to believe in what we're doing. So the exercise that I would advise you guys do and girls do is values-based, what values are our, our, 
uh, our business, uh, what, what do we believe in, and then hire people based on that. And you'll have a much higher rate. And obviously if you don't, then you can also buy a Phoenix 51, because that does it for you. You won't be surprised to know. So, incredible, um, in terms of some, some really great guidance and advice there for all the business owners. Um, what we're going to do in the moment is we're going to uh, do some, some photos with Lee as well. We'll do that at the end so everybody can get a photo. You don't mind that, do you, Lee? I don't mind as if you think it's one of the I'm really excited about Phoenix 51. Obviously, I know that there probably isn't much opportunity um, because you're, when are you going public? We're going public next week. So, we've, so again, this is probably, uh, if, I, if I may, just, yeah. just quickly, so there might be some of you in the room that are looking for investment in your own businesses. Um, and I've learned, so, and my team actually. Yeah, so tell them about investing and, and how much, because you've, you've raised, it's raised a lot of money. Um, to, so, this is the thing. You know, we were talking earlier about that undercover billionaire. You know, he went out with a vision, with passion, and sold a vision to a group of people, right? And Lee's done exactly the same. He's got the vision, got the values, he's gone out, raised investment through it, built the technology, sold it into some of the biggest companies in the world, and he's about to take that company public. I've just invested, right? So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the results of this myself. Yeah. Um, but I think he's done an incredible job. So tell me a bit about fundraising. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think it was better than I was having a chat about it earlier, wasn't we? I mean, I never fundraised in my life. Uh, before, um, before, how easy can I, can I want to break this? Do you mind? Yeah, 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 please. Yeah, because I think, because how many of you sometimes feel like money stops you? Raise your hands. Absolutely. So, the first question I ask you is money out there, Lee? A hundred percent. One, one million percent money is out there. And it's weird when you talk about inflation, we talk about energy bills, talk about all the stuff that's probably all in our heads today. And there are some very, very wealthy people out, out there that are, that are looking to invest, they're looking for the next big, big thing. The biggest lesson that I would say to the whole world about investment is, I don't think, and, and Adam was the same as well, to be honest, but I don't think one person, we've got, we've had them on board now, 15 investors in the business, and not one of them has said to me, I'm investing because your company is, you know, stately art, you've got to change the world. Every single one of them has said, I'm investing in your business because of you and Chris. The people that are running it. That, that's why people invest at this early stage. So if you've got that passion, if you've got that why, if you've got that drive to mention about your own business, there is investors out there that will that will invest into that. But you need the fundamentals that Adam's been talking about all day, which is your budget, and you need to have a roadmap, you need to have a plan that you can execute as well to, to be able to get that. So it's a really good important point there for those of you that are building your budget. If you need any extra motivation to finish it off. Right. If you ever want to raise investment for your business, no matter who that's from, from a, a friend, family member, a business partner, a, a customer, a supplier, showing them a budget and showing them a path of this is what's going to happen with my business over the next year, over the next 24 months. How important is that then? Yeah, massive. It's huge. And the thing is about budgets is they can change. Like I worked in Capita for eight and a half years, and we, we were brought up, we were taught specifically that budgets don't change once they're set, they're set, and that's it. But actually, in our world, in the business owner world, you can, you can change tomorrow, right? 
Is we're going to say you can't, you can. <laughs> but, but the issue with that is, is the responsibility that comes with set the budget in the first place. Isn't yeah. It? You know, try and keep yourself focused on what that looks like. So actually, you've. Uh, it's a little bit like. Um, I won't use any dating things anymore. I'd use a different analogy. It's a little bit like. Right, okay, so, so I went. Um, I, I put a bit of tin on over the summer. Who hasn't? Do you know what I mean? From COVID or whatever, you eat a bit of food, didn't you? Or whatever. And actually, when you go down to the gym, when you go, is anyone on a gym business, by the way? Before I start. No, it's just so evil. But when you start going down to the gym, you wouldn't just go down to the gym, would you, and go, right, well, I want to get a six pack, let's do 500 uh, sit ups. You won't do that because you're not going to get a six pack doing that. You just wouldn't do it. What would you do? Come on, interact with me. What would you do? Go and have sleep. Drink a two six pack. Now, what would you do? You'd, you'd get. You'd, you'd invest in a PT, have a plan, you'd go there every day and you'd realise that actually in three months' time you might start to get the top one coming out or a bit, bit more time, and then in six months' time you're thinking, hello, and then by the you know, four months, you might have the washboard right for us fellas in the room. No way. The point is, you wouldn't just go in there and would you go, right, you know, so you have to break it down, you have to have that plan, you have to break it down, but you have to have people. Um, believing in, in what you're doing, and if you don't believe it yourself, to come back to my comment earlier, honesty, honesty, are you honestly doing what you want to do in your company? Because if you're not, you're never going to convince anyone else. You're never going to do it. It's, it's going to be hard. So we, we've learned a lot on that. EIS, SEIS, I mean, it's a huge tax break. There are tax breaks for investing. Um, some people uh, invest £10,000, £20,000, £100,000, £50,000, but you get really good tax breaks against that. So, you know, a tax break on investment for people, so I understand. So, if you get your business registered at SEIS, for the first, if you, I just read, use round numbers, right? Because um, I'm not going to go into numbers again, but we with them all day. But if you, if you invest uh, £10,000, as soon as you invest £10,000, you get £5,000 back from the government as a tax break. Right, so, so you actually put 10 grand in, but you actually give it five, you're only doing five. So that comes directly off your comes straight, yeah. It comes straight off your personal tax. Under EIS is the next one down, so you've only got a finite amount of rate. You can only raise £150,000 under SEIS, and then it goes to something called EIS, which is 30% back. So if you're, if, you, if you're investing into an EIS business, or if, you're, if you want investment in your business and you get that qualified to SEIS or EIS, any investors coming in will get 30% back off their 10 grand. So it's, which is which is quite it's quite nice. So so actually when you're thinking about from the look, your money's always at risk, and I'm not I'm not an investment expert, I'm just talking about what I've learned. But the reality is is that you get a really strong return on on your investment because you're actually as well. How many you could do with an extra 150 grand in your business right now? Okay? Well, if 150 grand extra in your business. If you could go out and get 10 people to give you 10,000, and if you explain to 10 people that they give you 10,000, you get 5,000 back straight off your tax break, is that a pretty good strategy for raising investment in your I mean, what you just said, Dan, is exactly what we did. And, and actually, you're right, friends and family, I live here at SEIS Singapore, friends and family, they're, they're the first six investors we've got with friends and family. Because they were just like, oh yeah, we know you, you're good, yeah, you're, you know, we're going to go for it. When you get to the next level, EIS, that becomes a little bit more 
Um, but we're still at the funding round stage of, I don't want to be you know, silly about it, but we're 600, 750,000. So we're not, we're not at massive numbers where you're looking at private equity or, or, or VC. You're just still looking at quite wealthy individuals. Anyone that's got a spare 10 grand floating about, you know, you've got a, you don't have to be really, really wealthy, but if you've got a spare 10 grand floating about, then you're obviously doing the same buying. But that's the sort of thing. And some people are putting that in. You know, in, into, into the business. So that's a really good way of, of, of bringing money to business. The issue, but the problem rather than the issue, the problem that you need to solve is that stuff. Because you can't do anything without budget. budget. You cannot do that without yeah. budget, can you? No, you need your budget, but you're also going to need. Talk about presentations. How, how would you build a presentation on that, Lee, for fundraising? Because you've got an amazing presentation. Thank you. Do you know what? Again, it, I can present, I can send my presentation to Ryan and think that's an amazing presentation. And I can send it to Diane and you'll go, yeah, but you're missing this. I can send it to Robin and she'll go, yeah, but you're missing that. It's really subjective. So what we've what we've found is that we've actually built like a master presentation that has some pages that you can hide. And then once you find out, oh right, okay, Diane, what are you looking for? And then Diane tells me, okay, and just put them pages out and just send them, send you what you needed. Does that make sense? Again, really basic stuff, but the master kind of presentation is, is different to kind of the one I sent across to you. But, yeah, even from a sales perspective, because you're forever trying to plead. Uh, so what happened? Again, it's a true story. Right? It's honestly true. So I come back and I'm like, oh, I've just met. I've just met. Sorry, what's your name? That's her. That's her. So I've just met that's her. So I come back to my business partner because I've just met that's her. She's an investor looking to invest. Brilliant. But she's still like this, 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 this. So we sit there now for like two hours trying to change a deck. And I'll, what's this? I'll tell her just for that's her. Right? And then the next thing, I'm seeing Diane next day, and then she wants something different. You know, so it becomes kind of like admin heavy. Does that make sense? Uh, what you want to be able to do is not one size fits all, but you want to be able to quickly transform or change. So we built a maiden one and then said, right, was it you looking for that says she tells us, then we go, that's that's what <coughs> So build a presentation around the needs of the client. Again, so what's that? Find your buyer first again and understand your buyer. Conversations, questions, isn't it? Like asking questions, why, what, how. Yeah, these are you know, these are open questions. I know you know this stuff, but Asking them open questions to get people to tell you why they well, why you know, why they say you know you know that they know it, but why why don't you give a little bump drilling drilling him out today? How much time have we got? We'll just explain that question process from a sales perspective because Lee is uh, okay. you know one of the one of the things that won Lee the Apprentice was his sales ability. Right, he was fantastic building relationships, creating sales, did very very well. You go and watch it. So why don't you just I was a lot younger than that. <laughs> 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 we were a lot younger then. But yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I, I think you just explained those questions, you know. Yeah. So why don't you mention what you mean by that? So so actually find it fact finding. So it does probably three things, right? So the first thing, by asking open questions like why, how, what, when. You can't get a yes or no answer, right? Do you know what So, so basically, what you're doing is you're encouraging the person that you're asking the question to to give you a full answer, and that does one thing. Well, firstly, you get the answer you want. You can start understanding their pain points or what that looks like, but then you can start to question the answer. Yeah, you can't do that with yes or no, right? But you can start to answer. So, it goes something along the lines of um, how 
how have you built your business? Oh, I've built my business by such and such. And time will return in the next two years on your current investments. You stuck 10 grand in, you'd get three grand back, by the way, for under your S, um, but you'd get 70 grand back in two and a half years once we've hit our milestones. But it's not guaranteed and your money is at risk, so I have to say that. But So you get, for your money, you get a percentage or equity share of, of our company. So you don't become part of our business. So it's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, we can, if, you, if you're, yeah, I mean, the short answer is yes. Yeah, we are. We are. And do you have like the amounts of investment that you need to make? What you can do is, if you want to have a chat with Lee, if anyone wants to have a chat with Lee, because Lee's come today to add value to the people. I know you're very limited on the amount of people you you can obviously say yeah. limited on who who you would would accept. But Lee, anyone that's interested in that can have a chat with yeah. Lee. When we do the photos, is that good? All right, so you yeah, can have a, just come and have a chat with him and ask him that question. Yeah, yeah perfect. Thanks, thanks for your interest. Uh, just, just on the open question as well, so that was your one avenue. The, the second point is that you're actually getting the answer that you need to be able to sell that solution to right, by asking open questions, right? So you actually get that page. And you can, it's also, it's qualifying in, but it's also qualifying out. So Ben, I don't know whether Ben's probably uh, covered this already, but Sometimes, as business owners, certainly as salespeople, we like to carry away with something that is never going to land. What's your pipeline? Oh yeah, I've got this one. What's your name? Justina. Justina. Justina's told me she's definitely going to be buying 351. Definitely. Brilliant. So Justina, I'm working with Justina. Justina. But Justine's got no intention of buying for Phoenix 51. How many times have we done that? We think a deal's going to happen. It doesn't happen. Show of hands, how many times have we done that for you? Yeah, I reckon all of you have come on. And, 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 and that's the thing, so qualifying in and qualifying out is equally as important. Now, as business owners and salespeople, we don't necessarily want to qualify out because we want Justina to buy it, but if, if the signs are there that you're not going to buy it, let's move on. Thanks for your time, shake hands, let's go. Because we're wasting what? Time, it's energy, we're, we're, we're pretending, we're not being honest with ourselves, we're pretending that something's going to happen that actually it's not going to happen. And you, you, by open, asking open questions, you can find that out relatively early. We call it in our business, we call it discovery. So it's kind of the discovery phase. You might send out some marketing, we might get some leads coming through the top of the funnel, we'll then do some discovery calls, and that's when we ask all of our questions. And it's, it's only at that point when we get to a kind of a, what we call a live demo of our platform, we know that Justine is ready to buy. Yeah. And then that's when we demo to Justine. So it makes sense. So qualifying in, qualifying out, which is really, really important. So have we, have we enjoyed that from Lee, everybody? It's been yeah. some value yeah. insights. So I'm waffling on that. No, I'm not at all. Sure. I mean, look, there's some massive value there. I think, you know, in summary, it's really, I think that it's a really good exercise for you. It's a very different exercise to what we've done today. It's for you to get clear on that value, that why. I think it's really, really key. I think it's key for you to look at some of your questioning techniques as well and add that in. You know, I thought that was fantastic. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to that great episode with Lee McQueen. He's an incredible guy who had so much value when talking business. He really did wow the audience that was there live in the room. And hopefully all of my podcast listeners have enjoyed listening to that interview as well and took some massive, massive value from it. 
Now, the podcast is is nearly at 300 episodes and it is growing all the time. So I want to say a big thank you to those of you that are repeat listeners that keep coming back and keep listening to the episodes and keep getting value. My mantra for this podcast has always been to keep it free, to add massive value and to just help business owners. So we don't do any promotions. We don't do any sponsorships. We really just want to keep this podcast as a free asset to business owners to help them. Having said that, we would like to spread the word even further. And if I could ask a teeny tiny favor of my loyal listeners, if you were able to go and share this episode with a business owner that you feel could get some value from the podcast, somebody that's starting a business, growing a business, somebody that wants to go and grow even more, there's obviously tons and tons of value across those 300 episodes. So if you were able to share an episode, perhaps this one or another one that you got lots of value from with a friend of yours, it would be very much appreciated. Now, also another way to spread the message and help more business owners is to share this on your socials. And if you wanted to go and share this on your Instagram story, perhaps tag me in at Adam Stock Coach. I can reshare that for you as well. Just shows me who the listeners are because you don't get to see that on the analytics. And, you know, it really motivates me and inspires me to, you know, keep providing more and more value. So if you get a moment, go and share it with a business owner friend or share it on your socials so other people can see that you are feeding your mind. Tag me in and I'll reshare it for you so you get some exposure too. Thanks again, everybody. And uh, if you can help us with that, it'd be true. Truly appreciate it and would be eternally grateful. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Hi, everybody. Adam here. And I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.